Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're here today to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to life, and we're so glad that you tuned in and are able to share this time with us. You know, we always try to uh, highlight what's going on in the world and try to, you know, apply uh, a biblical perspective to, to what's taking place. We want to be like the sons of Issachar who were able to discern the times and the seasons and uh, to have the wisdom from the Lord to know what to do. And, you know, last time we were together, there was a major Supreme Court uh, issue pending that uh, that we did not have any information on. It came shortly after our last episode. So. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. That was a big, big win for uh, religious liberty and, uh, and medical choice. Yeah, the, the Biden administration through OSHA, which is the occupational, I don't remember what it stands for, kind of regulates the, the workplace. Right. Issue a mandate for all employee, uh, employers over 100 employees to either have to be vaccinated or test weekly, I believe, something yeah. like that. And the Supreme Court, it went all the way, it went to the Fifth Circuit Court, issued one decision, and the Sixth Circuit Court issued a different decision. And then they went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court, since last time we talked, Supreme Court came out with the decision, basically, I believe it's like six to three or something like that, um, basically saying that that was overreaching. Yeah. So that the OSHA mandate has been uh, either pushed back to the, basically stall slash, um, you know, uh, called out, like stop basically, right. functionally, yeah. But it was a decisive ruling for those of us who have been trumpeting, uh, you know, religious liberty and the tramplings of our uh, inalienable rights for the last year to year and a half and we've seen governments use this situation to to really consolidate power and to um, uh, just to get get their nose under the tent of our our private lives our business lives uh, in every arena like that so this was a major win I was excited that conservatives actually voted conservatively which is not always a given right, right, right. Uh, but we we saw all of those folks align and I'm amazed too that three Supreme Court justices actually you know s supported OSHA and I heard somebody saying I really believe it's true that if, if we had not seen the mercy of God, uh, in the election of Donald Trump and the appointment of of conservative court justices, we would be living in Australia right now, yeah. uh, where the government basically has us quarantined and unable to function and unable to go about our business. You know, all again for a uh, a, a flu bug uh, that basically has a one percent morbidity rate. You know, so this is incredible government overreach. Not that this is not serious, or that there aren't certain populations that. Are touched by this but uh but this is a big win like i said because we're getting i just signed a stack of letters again about an inch thick uh this past monday uh where people are still having to submit you know uh, uh, conscience protection letters uh, rights of conscience type of letters saying hey they, they don't feel comfortable getting this vaccination so it's far from over yet but uh, I'm praying that at least we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know a lot of people and a lot of business owners are, are relieved. Well, I think a lot of, uh, this is a very complex issue. And, and I, I, I sort through some of the arguments and whatnot. I mean, if you really sort through it, it's, it's not quite as clear cut because the constitution doesn't specifically talk about vaccination. Um, but however, it's a complex issue. And I think the whole point is because it's such a complex issue, when you have your, the OSHA mandate, from my opinion, is basically taking a sledgehammer to a very complex issue. Right. The individual cases, health cases, religious cases, there are different employees right. that, that might jeopardize the, the, the employers, the business owners. It's, it's not a one-size-fits-all no. solution. And, and unfortunately, from, the, from Washington, that's usually how things are handled. Right. Uh, they create some type of template, and then they apply it to everybody. So this is why, again, in the wisdom, I think of our founding fathers, they understood these types of decisions are best handled as, as 
locally as possible. Absolutely. Uh, and that allows us to tailor decisions based on our population, based on what's going on in our region, uh, and all those kinds of things. So anyway, it's just it's good when it works. And I think this is a great <coughs> example of how our Supreme Court worked. And, and I think it's also a critical example, even of how politicized, unfortunately, the, the court has become. Because you could almost predict going into this, uh, the liberal uh, court justices, where they're going to land, the conservative court justices, where they're going to land. Um, it's unfortunate, but that's pretty much, uh, you know, why why it's so important to fight for the presidency and why it's so important to, to fill these vacancies with people who share your values. You well, know? I think it's unfortunate that we even consider liberal conservative justices because the whole idea is they should be interpreting the law without bias well, based on the Constitution, based on what is the truth. And when this politicized to one or another. It's just another branch of dysfunctional Congress, dysfunctional... Yeah. But, uh, but even here, yeah. you know, we're talking about worldview, yeah. and, and you cannot separate a, a person's worldview, like we say, let's just, let's just be unbiased. Uh, your worldview shapes how you interpret the data, even whether you're, you're a, a strict, you know, uh, in, interpretation, constitutionally, yeah. you're going to what, do what it says or what it's, or where it's evolving, you know, right. All of that has to do with your worldview, and uh, and it's almost like it's unavoidable, which is why we've got to just make sure that we're being salt and light and that the gospel and Christian worldview is influencing culture because we are in a war. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think all of the, all we've seen over the last two years has demonstrated it's really a war of, of, of ideology, right. uh, and there's a lot to fight for. So anyway, that was a big victory. We thank God for that, and I know a lot of folks, uh, this was a... A big sign of relief, especially for business owners who were facing some really, really, you know, tough decisions. And not too many of them, unfortunately, were, were willing to, to stand for principle over profit. And uh, and I'm glad to see that this uh, this this only relieves some people from making a hard decision. Uh, well, some businesses are volunteer just doing that on their own, which, right. again, I mean, you can, you know, there's different state law that's passed and whatnot. And, but, you know... <laughs> Some people don't need the government to go and enforce that. But, I mean, no, they got to make their own decision because you're going to lose good employees. Yeah, and that's and what they got to make that decision. So that's really what we're arguing for. And what I believe is a biblical solution is keep the government in its boundaries mm -hmm. and and allow the, the, the free market to be just that, a free market where people are able to make their own decision. If a business wants to mandate that, then that's their business. But it should not be forced on uh, employees by the government. Uh, and, and what we're seeing again is the more the federal government gets its hands in the minutia of our lives, like we've seen this in hospitals, much, much of the medical decision-making right now in hospitals is, is strictly going back to Medicaid and Medicare and the government threatening to take that away if you don't uh, abide by their protocols. And, you know, again, so they, they feel held hostage. Like, what do we do? Do we we're, we're dependent on this money now, so do we just go along so that we can keep our business model working, or do we, you know, do what's right for our people? And that's that's an unfortunate situation when the federal government, in a sense, holds you hostage with dollars that you've grown accustomed to needing to just to stay alive. And so, once again, we encourage people stay out of the federal government in terms of the the handouts and all that kind of stuff, and for states to to make sure that they're running not on. Uh, uh, on the uh, dole of the federal government that they're able to function apart from federal dollars. Otherwise, you become literally become a hostage to whatever administration wants to flex their muscles. So sure. anyway, all right, let's move on to uh, some more good news. We've been in a series here at Living Stones that's been really, really exciting. In fact, I've, I've enjoyed being able to do some team teaching uh, with Pastor Andrew as we're talking about uh, growth. 
And, uh, you know, the first week you kicked it off with a, with a great challenge to us on why, you know, growth is, is hard. Information, you know, gaining information or filling our head with new truths is exciting to us as human beings. Growth is not so exciting. Tell us why. What's the, what's the big difference there? And then we'll get into... Yeah, I think the bottom line is to grow is painful. Yeah. It, it just is. Yeah. You can't get around that. If you're not experiencing pain, then I'm wondering, are you truly growing? That's it. That's the bottom line. Nobody likes pain yeah. in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's either it's either painful and shifting the way we're thinking. It's painful and shifting our schedule. It's painful and, and changing our diet, exercise habits, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, whatever it is, that whatever the new thing is that we're trying to bring into our life involves a change of our deeply embedded routines. And that means that means some pain at some level. And, uh, and so that we were talking about that. And then we get into the, to the next situation here. Uh, Pastor Andrew was laying out three uh, principles if we're going to be people who are going to grow. In fact, three ways Jesus grew people. The first way being revelation. There was always teaching and impartation. There was truth that he shared with the disciples. The second thing was relationships. Uh, you know, growth does not happen in a vacuum. It always happens uh, in the context of other people and in a relational context. That's how uh, we, we learn to grow and how we embed these truths into our lives, the transformation into our lives. And then thirdly is the, the, the importance of responsibility, that people don't grow until they are given a mission, an assignment, a task uh, to, to embrace. And, uh, and so we're going to kind of unpack that in the next several weeks. And, and let's, let's start by talking about revelation. Um, revelation is a key to moving toward Christ-likeness. And let's talk again about the difference here because the Pharisees are a perfect example mm -hmm. of people who loved information, mm -hmm. would say they loved the scriptures, loved the law, and yet uh, they were some of the, the most spiritually blind people and, and really some of the most wicked people on planet Earth. Right. Uh, how could you be people so familiar with the Bible at their time, the, the law, I mean, they would have to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So they they knew more of the Old Testament than you and I do. And yet when the Messiah is literally standing in front of the, their faces, they're trying to figure out how to kill him. Right. They, they talk about being blind. So what's the difference, again, between being good students of the Bible and, and allowing the scriptures to really transform us? Well, I'm going to let you explain that. But for me, I think the, the punchline is this. It's the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit to awaken those truths so it's no longer um, just knowledge, just words on a textbook yeah. or words on your your theological dissertation, yeah. but it becomes live and real for us. In fact, yeah. you know, the Apostle Paul warned us, he said, knowledge by itself just puffs up, makes us big-headed. Yeah. And we've all seen that. It doesn't matter what arena you're in. You know, that's why I always get leery when someone talks about experts, because sometimes experts are people who have built their whole career on a certain theory or a certain discipline. And then when that theory is proved to be wrong, their whole identity, their whole career is at stake, right? And so uh, they just continue to plow ahead in whatever it is that they're the expert on. Right. But Jesus isn't looking for experts. He's not looking for even spiritual experts. The Pharisees wouldn't consider themselves experts in the law. But their expertise was all really naturally driven. Uh, and we have to watch this in religious circles that, that we don't let knowledge of the Bible even puff us up. You know, uh, uh, Paul also warned about people who were always learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. That's, that's amazing to me. So you, you could 
you could always be filling your head with new novel ideas, but never let the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, really transform your heart. And that's a scary place to be. And I think, unfortunately, we got to watch it because our, our churches could become petri dishes for pharisaical development, you know. Uh, I, I warn people, don't just come, you know, and, and sit and, and be in a Bible study so you get more Bible knowledge. And don't just come to church and listen to sermons and take notes and, and not let that transform you. We desperately need uh, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you know, we talked about the word revelation. It means literally to remove the veil. Uh, it means that we, we approach, we come to know Jesus there's a veil over our eyes that has to be removed, uh, and that removal of that veil is supernatural. That's, that's the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us see, to see ourselves, to see our sin, and to see the, the beauty of the Lord as He truly is. So what does that look like? Can you explain a little bit? What does it practically, for those who have never experienced that, what does it look like when the Holy Spirit comes and... Uh, invigorates or enlightens the Word of God? What does that look yeah. like? Well, for, I think, first of all, there's our born-again experience. Yeah. And uh, and that's something, again, that the, the, that the Lord does. He, You know, maybe you were sitting with a friend and they were sharing the gospel with you, and all of a sudden, for the first time really in your life, you understood that message. Yeah. That wasn't you understanding it. That wasn't you trying to figure it out. That was the, the Holy Spirit drawing you. The Bible says no man comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. So I think our first encounter with the Lord is a demonstration of his grace and mercy where he takes the blinders off and we and we see Jesus and we, and we realize, wow, he, he really is the Savior and the Lord and he's my Savior and Lord. And you repent of your sins, right? You you realize, wow, I, I, I'm a sinner. It takes the Holy Spirit to, to show fallen, selfish, prideful people that we're sinners. And so that's the first encounter. But now let's talk about what does that look like when you're when after you're saved? Sometimes, you know, the, the Apostle Paul warned people. He said in, in the book of uh, Galatians, he said, what, you foolish Galatians, you started off in the Spirit. You started off relying on the Holy Spirit, but now you're continuing in the flesh. In other words, what the, their new birth was a supernatural event. But then they stopped relying on the power of the Holy Spirit for their ongoing growth. And then they just can become religious. And Paul warned them about that. And so I think it practically it means my approach to the Lord is rooted in humility. It's rooted in dependence, not self-righteousness or self-confidence or relying on my own intellect or I'm going to study harder or pray harder or whatever. It's about surrendering, you know, to the person of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and being open to letting him teach you. So we always encourage people, for instance, you know, to read through the Bible. It's a new year. Read through the Bible. Make sure you're grounded in Scripture. But don't read through the Bible like you read through the newspaper on, you know, in the morning. That's not how you approach the Scripture. You read through the Bible and you say, Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, the author of the Bible, will you open my eyes, the eyes of my heart, the eyes of my understanding, so that... I can experience Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus and encounter the God of the Bible in a way that transforms my life. And I think the key word there is transformation. We're not just looking for information. If our goal is to become like Jesus, we need transformation. We need God to, mm -hmm. to change us from the inside out. Now, I think this is one of the reasons why Jesus used so many stories and parables. I know you don't love stories much, but I, I, one of the reasons I love stories, either you know through movies and books, and, yeah. is because when you when you give parables, when you give stories, 
Uh, it's not the the truths are not. You have to mine for the truth a little bit. Yeah, they're not like in your face. Like okay, first commandment, second commandment. There are things that you're like, hmm. There's some deeper meaning to this. Let me think through this a little bit. Let me. I have to humble myself and process that a little bit more. And in that processing, you you become a little bit more um, humble. You become a little more meek, and you're able to kind of dig and mine for it. You know, when Jesus says, you know. I tell these parables, so like for those who have ear, hear, for those who have eyes, see. Yeah. And I think that's speaking to people who are like, oh, are you hungry for the deeper truth? Are you hungry for the true revelation? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Jesus wasn't looking for, you know, casual seekers. Yeah. He was really looking for people whose hearts were hungry and whose hearts really the Holy Spirit had prepared for more. And that's why Jesus quotes Isaiah, the prophet, six times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Uh, all of those passages quote uh, or books that quote the same passage uh, from Isaiah that said that they have ears but they cannot hear they have eyes but they cannot see they have minds but they cannot understand um, and it's really tragic we said we all have ears so how do you have ears but you can't hear well he's of course he's talking about revelation here he's talking about you know, in the parable, like you said, ears that are saying, wait a minute, I heard what you said about that parable, but I know there's something deeper underneath. And so you stick around yeah. and you ask questions and, and you're humble and you realize that Jesus is, <coughs> is inviting you. That's, yeah. I think, the purpose of the parable. It's an invitation to pursue and to, and to go deeper. Yeah. And Jesus did that all the time. He, he separated the, the mockers and the scoffers and the the skeptical people who were just like, ah, what's that guy doing telling stories about sowing seed and sowing stories about the, you know, uh, looking for lost coins and what, you know, all right, I got better things to do, you know, and, and, and Jesus knew how to separate again, the ones who could care less, you know, the Bible says, don't cast your pearls before the swine, they'll trample it. They won't appreciate it. Here's God almighty in human flesh teaching truth and there are some people who had no appetite for it and, yeah. and jesus wanted to separate those with no appetite from those that really had a humble childlike kind of heart yeah no that's good yeah i think when he tells these stories um there is a uh, a yearning and a longing for those who are hungry that's like man i don't even understand it but there's something more in there yeah amen um, and that's why he pulled it you know how many times in the bible he tells the story and it says then he Pulled it aside with the disciples. And, yeah. and what did he do? He unpackaged the story. Right. He said, this is what it means. This is who the farmer is. You know, this is the birds that come and steal the seed. And and here's what it all means. Right. And and uh, and then that truth went deeper. Or after going out on a ministry, a mission, a kind of assignment, ministry assignment, he'd come back and he'd say, hey, let's talk about it. There was always that debriefing time. I, I think about the story of the prodigal son. Uh, I mean, Jesus could say, you know what? Your father loves you. He's going to forgive you when you make a bunch of mistakes. Yep. And when you're back, we're going to... Your father's when you repent, your father's going to welcome you. He could have shared those specific principles, right? But he lay out the whole story. He talks about, you know, the the prodigal son is, you know, eating pig food, which for the Jewish culture is, you know, right. it's, it's yeah. devastating. Now I remember my son watch um, my son who, you know, at the time he's probably five, five or six years old. He was watching um, the Bible story of the prodigal son. It was like an old old school like eighties. <laughs> Um, hey, now you're talking about my, my time, man. Come on, watch hey, that. But, hey, <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was a prodigal yeah. son. And he was yeah. got some, like, music in the background. You know, again, it wasn't like a cutting edge. It was just like, yeah. but he told the story. And my son watched it, and he just started tearing up. You wow. know, because the power of the story of forgiveness. And, and it hits him in the heart, even though he, he might not be able to articulate all the principles. 
But I remember watching him tear up and just thinking, wow, that's the power of stories. Yeah. You know, it's completely different than just those specific principles. It kind of sneaks up on you. Yeah, you don't even know what hits you. Yeah, I know we were watching, uh, a lot of you have watched the, the Chosen series, which has been so powerful. And I remember watching the, the first episode where Jesus calls Mary by her name. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, just seeing that portrayed in real life, you know, so to speak. And then watching the power of those words, it just hits you with all the more force. So Jesus was was wise. He knew the power of, of parables, the power of stories to capture people's hearts, but also, again, to take people deeper. Because it takes a sense of humility to come and sit at Jesus' feet and to say, "Help me understand." That that's you know that's the childlike spirit that Jesus honors. In fact, there's one place in the Bible where Jesus says he's praying to the Father and he said, "Lord, I've hid this." information from the wise mm. and from the clever but i've revealed these truths to the to the childlike so again think about your approach in church many times people pride themselves in fact i'll have people come up to me as i'm sure you have and say and they tell me their pedigree well, i've got a degree in this and you know at my old church i was the leader of this and i did this for this many years and 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 i always get you know i, I want to know about people i want to know their backgrounds i want to know how they've served but it's the spirit behind it sometimes, because what I feel like they're doing is they're telling me, hey, this is who I am, this is how smart I am, this is what I have to bring. And it's the very thing that I think the Lord just turns the kingdom upside down. He says, I'm not looking for the qualified. In fact, he usually chooses people that feel very unqualified. In fact, if you're feeling that this morning, you're probably a prime candidate to be used by God, because it's not the way the world the world works. It's not how many degrees you have. It's not how, how smart you are. It's not how well-connected you are socially or politically or how much money and power and fame you have. The kingdom of God is upside down, and Jesus takes little humble people who feel like they don't have anything to offer, childlike people that just have a simple faith, and that's the people he reveals his glory to. And so watch that you don't get arrogant and prideful and just go from one Bible study to the next, filling your head with Bible facts, but your heart remains cold and aloof from God. You know, I've heard it said before, don't read the Bible, let the Bible read you. And what, that, what, of course, that means is, you know, we don't read the Bible to gather facts, underline things, write stuff in our journal, uh, or create lessons from the Bible for other people primarily. You read the Bible so that the Bible itself can read me, so it exposes my sin, my blind spots. It, it, it reveals Jesus to me. It transforms me. The, it's the living word that transforms my heart. And, uh, and man, we all, have, we all have that tendency to default to that Pharisee. And it's, it's in all of us. Yeah, and I think about the, the people that God has powerfully used in the scripture. It starts with a seed of revelation. It really is. I mean, everyone else can read the same thing. But they read something. They they had a specific revelation from the Lord. You know, some of them have great education pedigrees. Some of them didn't. Yeah, and but we're I mean, not against education. No. Paul was highly educated. But but what started Paul on this journey <laughs> yeah, was exactly. a powerful yeah. revelation. And I think that's what we're trying to get. You know, so here's this Paul who's so zealous for God, right? He's do, he's persecuting the church, <clears throat> thinking he's doing God a favor, and he has a revelation, a supernatural, divine encounter that completely changes the whole course and trajectory of his life. Yeah. And, and here's my point. We, we might not have that dramatic or that same instance that Paul had, although we certainly should, should, shouldn't uh, outlaw that, like somehow God doesn't work that way anymore. 
but my point is this, have you had a supernatural born again encounter with Jesus to where you know you were once this way, but now you're not. Now there's a transformation that's taken place in your life. Yeah. And that is supernatural. I guess that's the point we're trying to make. You can't grow spiritually apart from a supernatural relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who makes our hearts burn with passion for Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us new desires so the old desires go away. It's the Holy Spirit who takes the blinders off our eyes so that when we read the Bible, we see Jesus and we fall in love with Jesus. And, and that's really good because, you know, even for, for myself, who's been, you know, I've given my life to the Lord. I asked him to forgive my sin years ago. Yeah. But throughout my, my, my growth journey to be discipled by Christ, there are layers upon layers of different revelations. In which the scripture, which I read many times over and over again, yeah. all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I have never read it like this before. Oh, wow, this is a new revelation that the Lord is teaching me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a continual unveiling of the things I've read. I know in my head, but I didn't see it that way. Right. It's a it, yeah. And that's why, you know, like, for instance, Gnosticism was, was you know, you, you have this elite group of people that come to a higher level of revelation than just the rest of the people. We're not talking about Gnosticism. We're talking about the Holy Spirit not giving you new truth. Mm -hmm. The truth itself is old. It's it's always been there, but it's new to us. It's new to us in our experience because it's like the example I gave was you live in your house for 10 years, but the, but the blinds are closed and you never go outside. All of a sudden, one day somebody opens the blinds. In other words, that's what revelation is. It's opening the blinds. And you look out the window and you go, wow, I've never seen that before. Well, it was always there. Right. It wasn't some secret spiritual right. of truth that's only reserved for... No, no, no. These for are mystical class. Yeah, no. Like, that's like some occultic thing. No, this is the truth that Christ has always exemplified. Right. I mean, I think about the teaching on the kingdom of God. I mean, Jesus was so clear. I mean, he couldn't be any more clear. But, but it took me years and years to really understand, wow, what does that really mean? And then when I go back and look at the rest of Scripture in that context, I'm like, this has been... They've been clear about this for, you know, the Bible is super clear about this. I just didn't have the eyes to see. Right. You know, the clarity is not some step of super reveal. It's for the blinders to fall off my eyes so I came more clearly. I mean, even just talking about, you know, what we talked about, about uh, the importance of relationships. You know, we all understand the importance of relationship to a certain degree. The Bible talks about importance of relationship. Right. But it wasn't until like a revelation to be like, wow, he really meant that. Like right. Jesus wasn't kidding. It's those yeah. aha moments. Yes where everything's changed like yeah. all of a sudden the truth as you were talking about moves from like up here it drops down and that's what we're talking about right yeah. right yeah and, the, and there's a wedding because you certainly can't bypass your mind but you want the two to come together and that's why i was sharing you know most men i'm i'm, I'm generalizing here but most men are more comfortable in their heads most women are more comfortable in their hearts doesn't mean women don't use their heads or men don't use their hearts. It just means in general. So, for instance, I find that many ladies especially love extended times of worship where they're able to express their hearts to the Lord and they're able to express their emotion and they're able to, to feel the presence of God. They love that. Whereas a lot of men are very awkward in those settings. They're uncomfortable in those settings. So I've had guys, for instance, at church on Sunday, they, they won't show up for the first 30 minutes of worship because... They, that's not their thing. They just come for the word. I'm a word man. I value the word of God. But we were sharing, you know, the, the head and the heart go together. And they, they work powerfully together to bring about transformation in our lives. And if you neglect 
worship and you just come to hear the word, you really haven't prepared your your spirit and your heart, the soil, to receive the word and the and the force that God wants wants it to make the impact. And on the other side is also true. If we just got together and we just sang and we we worshiped the Lord and and just released our affection to the Lord, that would be worthy and it's good. But it gets supersized when then you preach the scripture and you speak the truth on top of what you just received in worship that it makes both of them uh, all the more potent. Yeah, to be truly healthy, you really need both. I mean, I think about if you go to the gym and you, all you do is work out your right arm. You're right-handed, so I'm <coughs> yeah. just going to work out my right arm. I'm never going to work out my left arm. You, you look like lobster, man. You know, and and no one would do that. No one in their right minds would do that. Anyone going to the gym would not just think, you know what, I'm right-handed or I'm left-handed. I'm only going to work out one arm. We don't think that way. Exactly. But but for this, we often do because uh, it's not as obvious. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, and that's a good example. So get you know, work out both. Be, be ambidextrous as it comes to your worship. Worship with passion, and then hear the word and let it transform you. I wanted, I guess, just to highlight one more thing before we wrap up this podcast today. Uh, in that passage we were reading from from Isaiah, this is the tragedy of it. Um, he says there at the end, he says their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me. And here's here's the, the, the pleading heart of Father God. You cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So the, the goal, you know, when you look at it one way, we're talking about growth change right transformation it really involves simply god trying to heal us in other words if if there's an area where you're growing it's because there's a deficit or there's a lack right i need to grow in my knowledge of this well that means because i'm ignorant in that area or i need to learn how to be more open well the reason maybe you're not open or transparent is because you're so full of wounds and hurts and you're afraid of people or you're afraid of rejection so when you think about it every Every area of growth is simply God trying to make you or me the version of us that he's that he intended us to be before sin came into the world and messed us all up. So the heart of God is is I want to heal you. And in the process of healing, you're going to grow and you're going to be transformed. You're going to become more like Jesus Christ, which is the the end game for all of this. But if you're if you don't allow transformation and you don't allow embrace revelation, you don't depend upon the Holy Spirit, then it's actually like the Lord's hands are tied, if that's possible, because here he is. He's trying to bring healing to us. uh, But our hearts are so hard and so dull. Our eyes can't see. Our ears can't hear. Our minds don't understand. Our hearts are, are hardened. And therefore, he cannot. The Bible says he cannot heal us. So. I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to keep transforming me, healing my heart, changing me. And the secret to all of that is living in a spirit of revelation that is produced by the Holy Spirit himself, Uh, which means we've got to be friends with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to point us to Jesus Christ. So that was a that was a great truth. And it was a good foundation block. And then last Sunday, you built on that. And so when we come back together, you won't want to miss this. We're going to really dissect the principle of relationships and why relationships are so, so valuable if we're going to be growing people. And, uh, and, and we've got some amazing meat to, to, uh, to dive into next week. So any final comments, my friend? No, that's good. I mean, we need to seek revelation and not just knowledge. Amen. Yeah. So, hey, let's pray right now. Holy Spirit, we just, we welcome you into our lives today. We, we just say we need you. 
Uh, we're not made to live alone. We're not made to figure things out alone. Lord, open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you today, Holy Spirit. Open our hearts so that we embrace you, we love you, we submit to you, we yield to you. And Lord, we want to obey you as soon as you speak to us. Lord, mark our lives with supernatural revelation that leads to greater encounters with Jesus, which leads to radical transformation, Lord, so that we're simply not the same people we were. Lord, that's what we're after. We want to be like Jesus. So Holy Spirit, help us and help those who are watching. Let our days today be marked with the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in today and joining us. Have an amazing week. We'll look forward to being with you next Thursday.